The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated and unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Eric, Kylan, and myself, Mike. How you guys doing? Ah, I'm doing. Some days you're the pigeon, some days you're the statue. I ain't figured out who's who yet today. <laughs> yeah, but you know, all the pigeons in the world are upset and bored because there's no one to poop on. <laughs> and now I'm starting to think about good feathers. <laughs> <laughs> are you want me? <laughs> you cool with my bite? <laughs> Uh, I know the whole uh, completely different company, but still, you know. Yeah, but you can't you can't knock the Animaniacs Mm-mm. or or uh, um what was that? That was the good feathers, uh, were, the good feathers were tiny tunes. Tiny tunes. Oh, there you go. Yes, not to say Looney Tunes. It's like no, that's not it either. Tiny tunes. Yeah. So, um. Check out the homepage, WeebyGeeks, WeebyGeeks, MightyMarvelGeeks.net. I still have that current. It's still current, right? The shows? I think so, yeah. Oh, my God. Have I actually been keeping it current? Oh, my God. Yes, I have. What? What in the? uh, Okay. Wow. Virus is good for something, huh? (laughs) Um, Check out MightyMarvelGeeks.net. On the right-hand side is our affiliates. I still got to get Biddy Boomers up there. Speaking of Biddy Boomers, go to BiddyBoomers.com. Use the code WeBeGeeks, all one word, 15% off your purchase. Every time you make a purchase, you can use that code for 15% off. Not just once, every time. Uh, speaking of Biddy Boomers, congrats to our winner, of an Iron Man, Spider-Man, Biddy Boomer set, Zach Cunningham. Oh, 
Congrats. Congratulations, Zach. So uh, he he is the proud recipient of Iron Man, Spider-Man, Bitty Boomers. Booyah. Um, also, too, check out uh, Heroes and Villains. Use the code FIELDAGENTS for... 15% off your first purchase. Also, too, check out the web store. Great time to get that hockey jersey, baseball jersey, sweatshirt for lounging around the house. Get the nice word balloon uh, ball cap, which I still need to get for myself. <laughs> um, I have Wookiee Radio. I have Weeby Geeks. I just don't have my Marvel Geeks. So, mm. um, so, yeah, I think that covers all of it, right? Yeah, I think so. Perhaps, yeah. So, um... So I guess very cool. We are now at a point. Mm-hmm. You, you know, we are a little over a month away from Marvel's Agents of Shields seventh and final season. And I've said it before, but when it premiered, how many of us could figured it would go beyond three years? I didn't think it was going to go beyond two years. I see. I gave it three, and I, I gave it a long run. I did. I I I don't know, but you know what? I'm I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a fan of long shots, and so I gave. I was giving this one a long run. I did. I did not give it that long of a run at all. I gave it through to. Uh, well, we knew Avengers was leading right into it. Right. I was giving it till after the, after, no, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier was first. Right. I think I gave it right up to uh, Age of Ultron. Avengers Age of Ultron was as far as I, I thought it was going to go. Was that second Avengers film? Right. And then it was, then it was going to be done. Surprise to me, we're hitting seven seasons. Yep. We're hitting yeah. a final season, which I'm hearing a uh, potential crossover with Agent Carter. Yeah, that would be so nice, wouldn't it? Yep. So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we're if we're crossing over with Agent Carter, could that mean we get to see some Howling Commandos? Oh, uh, I don't know. For thirteen up, uh, I think it's only twelve, thirteen episodes. But, I'm just saying. I'm just saying they're in that time frame. Um, where we're picking up where we left off in se- was season six, which I need to go back and finish rewatch the ending of season six because I don't remember it. Mm. Uh, the reveal of a new Phil Coulson life model decoy. Yep. Coulson and the eight agents of Shield are thrust backward in time and are stranded in 1931 New York City pre World War II. Um. With the all-new Zephyr set to time jump at any moment, the team must hurry to find out exactly what happened. If they fail, it can mean disaster for the past, present, and future of the world. So there is a new teaser out, which I have not watched yet. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny, the, the teaser poster shows the original eagle, not the modern eagle. Right. But it still has the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division, which is how it's been in sh- with the MCU this whole time, right? Right, yeah. So we're seeing the logo that appears on all their badges, not what's been on the buildings in the... In a, whatchamacallit, uh, in the, on the walls in the buildings. Now, uh, apparently during last year's D23, we got a sneak peek at season seven, which revealed 
that the season opens sometime in the 30s. The Chromacons, using their advanced tech, are trying to assimilate on Earth with the aid of existing human faces. Um, season 7 will be starring Clark Gregg, Ming-Na Wen, Chloe Bennett, Elizabeth Henstridge, and Castecker, um, Henry Simmons, Natalia Cadova Buckley, and Jeff Ward. So, what do you guys think about this? Of course, this that's came from Marvel.com directly. Oh, May 27th is when Season 7 comes to us. Well, okie dokie. Well, all I know is that I can't wait. Okay. That's pretty what it comes down to for me is that uh, you know, and, and and you know, to throw in a cross a crossover with Agent Carter is all the better. You know, I'm just expecting. And I, well, you know, I know. Uh, I read something where Clark Greg said that this, you know, they're they're going to get to do everything that they wanted to do in this one. Is they're going to go out the way that they wanted to. So that that put some really high expectations up for me. Okay. What about you, Eric? I am looking forward to it, but I got to do a lot of watching to catch up. For me, it's not like I don't have time to do that watching. True. So, um, yeah. Now, from comicbook.com, they say a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. star shares new behind-the-scenes photos from Season 7. Ooh. Um, so with the news dropping that the final season... Uh, will feature an Agent Carter crossover. The news broke a day later with a teaser and a new poster. Um, but a few days before all of this information was released, uh, Clark Gregg and Chloe Bennett both took to Instagram and shared some behind-the-scenes photos of themselves in 30s garb. Mm. So I am going to go check this out right now. Chloe looks pretty Pretty decent in the 30s garb. I love how they did the uh, sepia print with the photos. Yeah. To give it that look. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think these were leaked. I, I think this was purposely done to help promote the show. Well, I, you think things are leaked on purpose. This was a leaked on purpose. Mm-hmm. Accidentally on purpose. Yeah. yeah, they go accidentally to it. So mm-hmm. Clark Gregg posts a couple, one with him with an old Tommy gun, which looks great. Yeah. He's actually firing it. Oh, he looks like he's having so much fun with it. If I was him, I wouldn't give it up either. <laughs> uh, so I guess to continue on with this, um, the latest actor to show, and to take an Instagram behind-the-scenes image, is Jeff Ward. He joined the cast as in Season 5 as Deke Shaw. Um, Ward posted a photo previously posted by Bennett, plus a couple of new ones. Um, and he captions it, Wednesday, May 27th, 10 p.m. We back in 1931. Um, his photo looks like he is, that's an actual photo, not a set photo. Except right. for you see the guy in modern times walking behind him. <laughs> um, but, I mean, he's very convincing. Um, and some of the reactions are great. Dude, oh, my God, that's amazing. Wow. And then another person, I'm printing and framing this, framing the first and last. Um, so I'm sitting here looking. Oh, the cast the cast shot looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. As you're looking at these, uh, I mean, these are pretty intense. I mean, they're, they're pretty sweet. Um, 
Now, recently, Bennett teased the, the final season will, will please long-term fans. Uh, she says, uh, I can say we are back in time, so we have to get, well, the whole goal is to get back where we were. So that means traveling through a bunch of time periods, and who knows who we see on the way back if we get back. Okay. Not only with Agent Carter, so it seems like we may stop in the 40s. Could we potentially get, oh, maybe Sebastian Stan as well? Why not? Uh, I say let's get the Howling Commandos. Um, could see this would be the this would be the season to bring in some of the M- MCU stars. It would be. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans would be perfect to see him pop up. Yeah, but in that time frame, he would not be the Captain America, Chris Evans. No, nah, no. Nah. He, he would he would be the skinny pre-experiment Steve Rogers. Uh depends on if it's in the middle of World War Four or World War Four, World War Two. World War Two didn't start for the United States until 1941. Right, but they're saying, but she's saying here, so that means traveling through a bunch of different time periods. And who knows who we see on the way back? Ah, uh, okay, I got you now. All right. So if they if this is Agents of Shield's version of Legends of Tomorrow, with the time travel, right? Go from thirty one, jump up to um forty one. Who knows where you go from there? Sure. Do you go to the sixties and have fun in the sixties for an episode or two? Hit the 80s. There you go. I mean, yeah, I can see this. And, you know, the thing is for, you know, because, you know, no, Steve obviously changed the timeline somehow. And when he went back, I mean, do we how do we know that he that he wasn't Captain America the whole time? Right. You know, and what does that mean? See, the SSR. Didn't start till 1940. That's right. In the MCU. What, what if Colson and company actually start the SSR? That hmm. would be interesting. See, and what and and Steve doesn't have Steve becoming Cap doesn't happen until 43. Right. So, um, so they're saying 45. Well, for, in 45, Aaron Zola was captured, um, but they don't give a time period of when... So I guess sometime in 45 is when Cap disappears. Yeah. Okay, hang on. Let's see. What were two... This, I'm reading this off the Marvel Cinematic Universe wiki. Yeah, I know. Whoever, whoever okay, Victory in Europe Day is May 8th of 1945. Okay. So, it, you just were working backwards from that. You know that Cap disappears before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, basically all the events in the Captain America, the first Avenger, take place before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all except the part where he wakes up in modern day Times Square. Right. Well, and, who, and who's to say uh, – um, whatchamacallit? Um, first because one, of, sounds – Because of – Cap's actions that what that's what led to the end of the war. No, all all I'm saying is it is all that happened before. before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I mean his you know, the SSR's efforts in bringing down Hydra. I, I 
Now, see, this to me, though, doesn't feel like it should have a profound impact on the outcome of the war overall. Right. 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 Because Hydra pretty much de- you know, declared independence from Nazi, Nazi Germany. Germany. Yeah. Now, according to this, um, in 47, SSR branched out, opened a facility in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, the next year, so 1948... A new agency, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, also known as SHIELD, was formed. And the SSR was absorbed into SHIELD, becoming one of its subdivisions. Okay. So, and then another subdivision, or wait, uh, so yeah, um, one of the old SSR facilities was repurposed as the SHIELD Academy of Science and Technology. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows, maybe we go to, uh, to, um, what should we call it? Ninety or forty-eight to the creation of the shield, right? That maybe that's part of the thing with with Peggy is they're trying to come up with a name, and they go, "Who are you?" Well, I'm Agent Car- I'm Agent Colson with Shield. Maybe this is how we see the birth of Shield. Well, so Shield created itself, basically. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Uh, I mean, it's a possibility, right? Right. I mean, I mean, because, I mean, that's something you see a lot, and that's a very Marvel thing to do. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. I know. It's a stretch. I'm putting it out there. But, you know, at the same time, there's a lot of, um, and, and, you know, was it a couple couple years ago? There, you know, there was uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. series that came out that traced S.H.I.E.L.D.'s origins way back so I mean S.H.I.E.L.D. has long a storied history even before it officially became S.H.I.E.L.D. so you know and that may be part of it you know could be yeah very well could be so um, uh, this all seems interesting see how we go with this yeah oh yeah so um, apparently I missed this I think you guys might have too or we may have done this uh, there was a Thor Ragnarok watch along party with Takia Watiti. Taika Watiti. Yeah. Taika Watiti. And um, apparently he spills behind the scenes secrets of the movie. It also featured friends from work, Tessa Thompson and Mark Ruffalo. Ah. So if you ever wanted to watch Thor Ragnarok with Takia, well, hopefully you, you brought some potatoes because. Uh, Director was jumping onto his Instagram live on Thursday night, to do a watch along, and this was on April tenth. Ah. So as we were recording yeah, last week, we we happened to be recording. <laughs> so, um, so but at first he needed to prep dinner for his family, which involved picking rosemary, lemons, and lemons from his garden, marinating a lamb, and checking out and checking on roasted potatoes every few minutes. Uh, I want to eat at his place. <laughs> uh, when it was time to get down to the movie, he invited some friends from work to help him out: uh, Tessa Thompson and Mark Ruffalo, who played Valkyrie and Bruce Banner, aka the Hulk, um, and got them on Instagram Live during some of the more pivotal scenes. Um, between a lot of the jokes, like Watiti calling Surtur the fire demon at the beginning of the movie, Derek, here's what we learned about Watiti's time streaming. So great. Uh, this is Mark Ruffalo. So great to catch up with my friend from work. Thanks for having me on. Uh, if you're interested in donating to the fund, I mentioned at the end of the live, please check it out and share. It's uh, GoFundMe.com. It takes our village. 
Um, now, stuff we got. Watiti does not own a copy of Thor Ragnarok. What? How does he not? He doesn't. Instead, he pulled the movie up on Disney+, Plus, where it's currently available. Yeah, he's also never watched the movie all movie all alone before, making this his first solo viewing. Um, okay. Not only did Watiti direct Ragnarok, he also voiced Korg and did the motion capture performance for the for the character. While all of Korg's lines are our favorite lines, Watiti confessed his favorite Korg line is simple: "Hey guys." For Korg's first scene in the movie, Watiti can remember could still remember all his lines and perform them live for the viewers. Last scene that Thompson shot was actually her first one, when we first meet Valkyrie on Scar. When she was done shooting her scenes, it was time for her to go home. She was very sad to leave Watiti and the rest of the crew. Uh, when it came about, when it came to talking about the script, Watiti explained that the line "He's a friend from work" was actually thought up by a Make a Wish recipient, who suggested the joke to Chris Hemsworth in between takes, which is great. I, I've heard that story, and it, assuming it is true, that is one of the great, greatest stories of the MCU, in my yeah. opinion. Well, we're hearing it directly from the director, so I would take it as true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's why I'm saying assuming it's true. Um, now, I want to know one of Watiti and R- Ruffalo's favorite deleted scenes, Travel to Asgard, in which Thor and Bruce talk while eating a bowl of noodles. You can find the scene on Disney Plus under Extras for Thor Ragnarok. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Ruffalo had another food-related incident on set, and this one involved kiwis. The idea was that after Hulk transforms back into Bruce, he was starving. So they let him, so let's get him something to eat. Ruffalo was given kiwis to snack on in character and ended up having a reaction to them where his lips swelled up. Oh, oh. Uh, Ruffalo also confessed to having a nervous breakdown when he learned he was going to be shirtless in front of Hemsworth. <laughs> well, uh, I, understand that. I can understand that. Uh, when talking about how the MCU was interconnected, Watiti explained that at one point he floated the idea of Loki dying in Ragnarok, but the idea was shot down because Loki needed to survive the movie so he could then die in Infinity War. Hmm. So, uh, to to go from there, how about a soapbox for anyone who wants to take it? This comes from comicbook.com. PETA wants Takita Watiti to have Fat Thor go vegan in Thor 4. No. No. Okay. Uh-uh. I, I, I'm just going to ask this question. Does To anybody who still takes PETA seriously, my question is very simple. Why? Find on Hulu and in Teller's BS. It's season mm-hmm. one. They talk about PETA. Yeah, they do. Your views of PETA. Now, Penn and Teller, that show, I love that show. Because they, like when they talk about secondhand smoke, they will tell you. We're not smokers. We think it's horrible. But here's the facts. And they present both sides of the story. But they also tell you what's crap and what's not. And they expose a lot of things with it. So, anyway. um, So the MCU has a weight problem. Well, Fat Thor. 
Yeah, that's the only wait problem. Yeah. That and the, that we have to wait so long between movies. Uh, right. Chris Hemsworth had his as Guardian Warrior put on some significant poundage as a sign of his post-snap depression. And there's been question about Thor's physique in the upcoming Phase Phase Four film, Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, Takita Waititi, Waititi was Taika rec- Waititi. Say it with me. Taika, Taika Waititi. 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 Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I'm uh, no, no, no. Mm-mm. Taika Waititi. Waititi. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what a Jawa looks like under the robes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, um, anyway, he was recently asked how Thor 4 will deal with the issue of Thor's body. And his response has gotten PETA's attention enough to have animal, to have the animal rights terrorist organization, I mean, animal rights organization, make a special request for Thor Love and Thunder storyline. Uh, when asked by a Marvel fan whether Fat Thor would return, Taika Waititi responded that the creative team hasn't figured that out yet. That response gave PETA a great idea. Lobby Marvel Studios to have Thor return to his buff body status through the animal-friendly diet of going vegan. Okay, hang on. Just just a thing. He did not get that way. Did, did we ever see him eating meat in Endgame? No, he was drinking all the time. Did he eat chips? Hey. Wasn't he drinking and eating chips? Sounds like an all-veggie diet to me. Okay. Um, <sighs> I'm yep. just going to say this. <laughs> Beer is not vegan because, well, some, okay, some beers are not vegan, um, but some are. How do we know that he didn't get this gut by drinking vegan beer? I think we should all go eat three pieces of bacon a piece just to make up for the fact that we're even discussing this story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Now, according to the organization... Marvel would only need to tweak their fictional story to reflect real-life occurrences. As Chris Chris Hemsworth went vegan during the filming of the original Thor and Avengers films, and other MCU stars like Benedict Cumberbatch and Natalie Portman are powered by plants, according to PETA Senior Vice President Lisa Lang. Uh, ironically, making Thor vegan would also be keeping with Marvel Comics source material. The ultimate version of, of Thor was a ecocentric activist, borderline eco-terrorist. While it's not outright confirmed he's vegan, he's not. it's not a stretch to assume he was. Having Chris Hemsworth Thor pick up an egocentric streak and go vegan to lose all that fat Thor weight would be a nice Easter egg to the ultimate version. Yeah, and the other thing is the ultimate version of Thor, it was questionable whether or not he – I don't think it was ever answered if he was actually as guardian or if he was just uh, superpowered in some way. And on top of that, he was possibly very crazy. So Yeah, n- yeah I, I don't think you want that Thor as your vegan front man. No, 
No, no, no. you don't. Uh, so here, here's the here's the funny thing. The picture they show of Fat Thor, he's got a bowl, and it looks like it's either got avocado or something else. Mm-hmm. And he probably has pita that he's wiping it up with. Doesn't help their cause. Uh, Again, I think we all need to eat four slices of bacon now. Yep. So here's the letter to Taika Waititi asking for vegan Thor. Dear Taika, we understand that you have a bit of a weight problem on your hands, and PETA is here to help. As we all remember, Thor packed on a few pounds in Avengers Endgame, so the question consuming Marvel fans across the Nine Realms is how our favorite Thunder God will return to his Ragnarok and Bod in your upcoming film, Thor Love and Thunder. We suggest a page from Chris Hemsworth's own playbook exploring what would happen if Thor tried going vegan. According to his personal trainer, Hemsworth went vegan while filming the original Thor and Avengers films, developing a particular taste for beans and veggie burgers. Perhaps if Thor took the, the Bifrost bridge to our world, he may get inspired by plant-based Avengers, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Natalie Portman, and that battle armor would start fitting a little more comfortably again. Now they bring up Natalie Portman. I'm sorry. To me, as much as she's a very attractive woman, way too skinny for my taste. Uh, I, I, all right. I, okay, I'm going to shut up. Anyway, you go. <laughs> Let's also remember this is the same PETA that asked the Green Bay Packers to change their name because it was cruel. True. Also, the same PETA that claimed giving your baby beer instead of milk was healthier. What? And the same PETA that tried to get that that waged this campaign against Kentucky Fried Chicken with billboard signs that said Kentucky Fried Cruelty. We're also talking the same PETA. Right now, we're on five slices of bacon just to make up for this. We're also talking the same PETA that euthanizes more pets than any or all vets in the country combined in a year. I, just, I, I, I can't. I, I can't. They, they. Ah, oh, look, if you if you have to do, adopt a vegetarian lifestyle or a vegan lifestyle because of dietary restrictions, that's one thing. There is no shame in that game. Right. If you do it, if you adopt a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle because you honestly think it's morally superior, well, that's your choice. But I am going to point out all the species of animals out there that are carnivorous and that are omnivorous. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, I cannot take PETA seriously. No, no, no. They, they, they represent the lunatic fringe with an with an emphasis on lunatic. That's just my personal opinion, and I'm pretty much going to shut up about that before we all have to move to six pieces of bacon apiece. Actually, I was just about to make bust a whole pound, man. Shoot, because uh, you know I'm willing to take one for a team. I'll eat a. You know, but see, I live in a state where we have a bacon convention, so you know, just say it. I want to come live in your state, Kylan. <laughs> You know, I, I I will tell you, I when I first moved to Ohio, I, I didn't realize that, that you know, I didn't realize all the stuff that happened here and all the stuff that comes from here and all the stuff that goes on here and that's the reason why I tell people that Ohio is the center of the universe. People don't really you know, I I'm just saying rock and roll got its name in Ohio. 
Yep, started in yeah. Akron, not Cleveland. And, and 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 the Wright brothers are from Ohio. Ohio football started in Ohio. Ohio. Um, and uh, you know there's they, there's several. Uh, I, I know, and we have the most presidents. The most presidents have come from Ohio. First man in space. There you go. Ohio. Uh, yeah, I'm. am just saying. You know, and I, 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 you know, and you know, we have. When I found out we have a baking convention, I'm like, and I, I go to my share of cons. Okay, not this year, but let's say. <laughs> I, so not this year, but let's say, let's say if this, let's say somewhere on the alternate universe, in the alternate universe where you know things are, you know, are previous normal, I might have been considering going to a baking convention because you know what? I love bacon that much because bacon. There you go. So, you know, I think I I, I don't judge people for becoming vegans or becoming vegetarians. That's Mm -hmm. choice. That just means more bacon for you and me. Exactly. Exactly. But, But I mean, let's not be PETA. Okay. No, no. Please not be PETA. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I'm all for, I, I am a live and let live kind of guy. I am, you know, and make the choices you want to make. Okay, fine. But you know what? Don't browbeat. Don't go around browbeating because you think that your, your choices are better than somebody else's choices. And meanwhile, you know, um, that, that it's sort of like that whole speck versus plank, you know. So, you know, they, they, they tend to focus on the speck in everybody else's eye. Meanwhile, they got a big old forest coming out of theirs. Just saying. Well, I will say, I got a confession. Mm-hmm. I am a member of PETA. I'm a member of... I'm oh, a, my God. I'm a person who eats tasty animals. I knew that's what he was going to say. I knew it. I knew it. I, I could see it in his... I see the dad joke forming in his eyes. But you, but you know, here, here's the we're not we're not condemning any of you listeners, field agents, however you want to label yourself. Uh, I guess we prefer field agents. We're we're not condemning any of you who are vegan or vegetarian. Mm. Kudos. It's it's the organization we have issues with. Yes. And again, yes. to prove a point. Go check out Penn and Teller's BS mm-hmm. and watch the episode on PETA. Yeah. It, I questioned them before I watched that episode, and they opened they opened up my eyes a lot more than I was expecting, and um, I, I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah, but is. I will say I have had fun with a friend of mine who who's vegan, mm-hmm. and only I'm like, well, you you're killing plants like I'm killing animals. They scream just as loud as we do as the animals do. Well, you do know that there are fruitarians out there, right? Like there, there are people who will only eat something if it falls from a tree. They, 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 there are people out there who are that specific that they do believe that if you pull an ear of corn from the ground, that you're hurting the earth and you're hurting that, they're hurting that plant. I'm just saying. I wish I was making that up. Yeah. Well, everybody's got the right to their opinion. I just love French fries. I'm just saying. But (laughs) everybody also has the right to their opinion of your opinion. That's true. This is true. 
And everybody was coming. You misspelled poutine. <laughs> Dude, I live in the deep south, and I love me some freaking poutine. You know, you know what? It blew my mind. I was at a restaurant in uh, just a little more, little more than a year ago. I was in a restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, and they had poutine, and it blew my mind. I was like, really? Because I, I had not ever, I had not heard of poutine until. My first trip to uh, my first trip to Canada that was in 2000. Uh, my first trip to Canada that was the first time I had poutine. Never heard of it before. Fell in love with it, uh, and and then all of a sudden, you know, I was just thinking that I, I had to save. I had to wait for my trip to Canada to have poutine. Now there are restaurants around here who have poutine. And then there was a I'm like, I'm in the south and they have poutine. I'm like, this is nuts. I had some poutine potato chips. They were pretty awesome. I will tell you, Canada's potato chip game is on point. They have some crazy flavors like you wouldn't believe. Oh, I would believe because I see some of these limited runs that come up on the potato chip aisle. Yes, yes. Although now you get all dressed here all the time, so that's awesome. But you know, I can't do the ketchup yeah. chips. Oh, I love ketchup chips. I cannot do now. ketchup chips. I, I was, I was, I was kind of pleasantly surprised by the Reuben's chips. Yes, Reuben's are good. I found one that was a tandoori chicken one time, and it was amazing. Well, I, I, I sent y'all something to make up for this pita story in the <laughs> chat. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to look. Oh, there you go. Is it going to yes. make me hungry? No, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike, why did you? For, for, the, for those oh. of y'all playing along at home and can't see what Mike has sent to the two of us, oh my. it is a picture of face masks made from bacon. That mask would not last. <laughs> I'm just saying it would not last. I, oh. No, no. It'd be kind of like you, you, you go outside, and by the time you get to the grocery store, you walk in, and cashier's going, Sir, why are you eating your face mask? <laughs> because it's good. <laughs> bacon. Coronavirus. Because bacon. I'm serious, man. That is, yes. Uh, see? Mm-mm-mm. So, um, and if you're and if you're vegan, hey, they make they make faux bacon. They Mor- do. Morningstar has a really good uh, veggie bacon. I know I'm embarrassed to say it, but I actually like the Morningstar veggie bacon. Somebody, somebody got my grandmother a thing of Morningstar hamburger patties. Mm-hmm. Thinking I'd eat them. They've never been open, and every time I go into the fridge, I just kind of like I, I'm. There, there's a voice in the back of my head going, "Eat some." Morningstar's sausage links are super good too. Really, we got we we cooked up both one day, and we were talking about veggie. My dad's going, "Oh yeah, I know the difference between veggie bacon and sausage and." We cooked those up, sent them out. My dad goes, you guys did a good job in this bacon. I'm like, uh, Dad, that's veggie bacon. <laughs> no, I've, I have been tempted on occasion, not that I think that they're going to taste just like the meats. Right. But like the, the bean patties, you know, the, the hamburgers made from, you know, from black beans and stuff. I'm I've been kind of curious to say, well, I, I don't expect them to taste like the real thing, but they might taste good. I'm not big on black beans, so I'll never no, if it's a black bean patty. No way. Dude, I love uh, me some black beans. I'm just saying uh, to continue on. 
<laughs> Comicbook.com also tells us that Moon Knight, after the coronavirus delay, um, will start filming for Disney Plus, and the start date has been revealed. Yes. Uh, filming will begin around November 16th, with production set to take place over 26 weeks. <sighs> Uh, yes, that's making your day. I know it is. Uh, the, work, the working title is Good Faith. Okay, I could see this. So uh, they might. this sounds like they might be starting from the beginning, and we're going to get crazy Moon Knight. Synopsis for this reads as follows. Moon Knight, who showed up as a good guy in 1975's Werewolf by Night, number 32, is a vigilante alter ego of mercenary Mark Spector. But it's actually more complicated than that. Spectre also has a couple of other alter, alter egos, millionaire Steve Grant, cab driver Jake Lockley, that may or may not be separate alternate personalities. And, by, and the same may be true of Konshu, the Egyptian deity who is either guiding Spectre through his costume adventures or a figment of Spectre's imagination. In recent years, another persona has emerged, Mr. Knight, a police consultant who dresses in all white and wears a mask while solving unusual crimes. Oh, they got all, they went all the way crazy, Moon Knight. Oh, I'm so happy. It's not clear. Dude, this is, go ahead. It's not clear if the Mr. Knight version of the character will appear, though many fans would likely welcome this aspect. As it's the first, as it was first featured on the par, on the popular Marvel Comics run on the character from Warren Ellis, Jordy Belair, and the Clans Shalvi. Dude, to all those people that said that we would never get Moon Knight because he's just Marvel's version of Batman. Well, see, okay, so this is a family friendly show, so I can't say, <laughs> but. Uh, Does, Hoover, Hoover it there, that what, I can say that. What, would it fall in line with uh, Penn and Teller's BS? Now, actually, it would fall in line with what the, uh, what Degeneration X used to say. <laughs> if you weren't down with them. We got two words for you. Yeah. Moon Knight. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that's the show title right there. There you go. If you're not down with that, we got two words for you. Moon Knight. (laughs) Or no, we just got two words for you. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. (laughs) I'm like, I'm I'm serious. I remember for years, I'm sure you guys heard the same thing. People would say we would never get Moon Knight because he's just Marvel's version of Batman. I'm like, he's not just Marvel's version of Batman. There's so much more going on with him than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what you would see at first blush at a distance. Yes. Yes. I mean, just because like somebody could take a look at Batman and just say, oh, well, he's just a guy with gadgets. No. I mean, if that's the case, then Green Arrow's just a guy with gadgets. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. Uh, yeah. To, to just dismiss Moon Knight as a Batman ripoff. Right. That's that's selling him short. That that really is. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, and I don't know if they'll, they'll get this deep into the story, but any situation with number one, now his, his girlfriend has to be crazy because she actually treats all three – all, all each personality differently, and she talks to each personality differently. And any woman that is actually 
who has an affair with the other personality and the other personality finds out about it. <laughs> I'm just, you know, which, you know, and I think she actually treats it that way. I'm like, you know, that that is some phenomenal writing. I cannot wait to see how this how how this will would, would carry out on on uh, on Disney Plus. You know, I I really I'm although I'm pretty sure they're not they can't get too deep with it considering how accessible it would be to all ages. But at the same time, still you know, mm-hmm. wow. That's gonna be awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. Has there any been? A, has there been any word as far as? Uh, did, they haven't announced to uh, any casting for that yet, have they? Um, heard that, but I closed the before we got there. Just that Jeremy Slater, or uh, we have DeMeo. Oh, DeMeo, uh, the series writer. And Jeremy Slater is the showrunner. Okay. So that's what we have there. Cool. So, um, yeah. So have we derailed past the point where we can get back on track? Or I think so. Okay. <laughs> mm, I think we uh, finally, Mike Kylan. <laughs> And that's hard to do sometimes. Uh, that may be the very first time in nearly 300 issues that we've been ma- able to break Mike. <laughs> it's hard to break me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so quick, I guess quickly before we get to um, our picks, picks of the week, mm-hmm. um, Marvel.com has listed the top 10 Wolverine costumes. Okay. And I saw this the first thought was, has he had 10 outfits? Uh, but I guess he has. Yeah. Um, and, and the subtitle for this is, he's the best He's the best there is at what he does, and what he does is dress sharply. See our picks in Marvel Unlimited. So, hey, it ties right into our picks. So, the top 10 Wolverine costumes, the original suit. Which from you can, The Incredible Hulk. From Incredible Hulk, 180 from 1962, from the 1962 run. Mm. Okay, yeah, yeah. This is where, it's, it's almost the suit we he's known for, except the mask is a little different. Yeah. Um, that issue came out in 1974. Right. Um, number two, the not-so-mellow yellow, which is the suit <laughs> we know the best. This is from Uncanny X-Men number 94, which came out in 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only is it the first appearance of Storm, Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Thunderbird, but this issue also introduced Wolverine's now classic yellow threads. Yeah. Yes. So gone are the think, gone are the whiskers. Yeah, I think this is my favorite of all his outfits. Just uh, classic. Number three, right. Fanged and Furious. Um, while short lived, uh, Wolverine's Fang costume left an impression. Okay, I can't believe they actually counted that one. Yeah. It was not his own costume. He basically ripped it off of somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> and he couldn't stand to wear it because it, it itched him so. Right. Uh, it is seen in uh, Uncanny X-Men 451. Um, 
actually we first see it in uh i'm sorry in um in uncanny x-men 107 uh his costume was burnt to tatters and his next option was lifting a look right off the back of one of the members of the shire imperial guard uh now the fun part is X-23, Wolverine's clone, a.k.a. Laura Kinney, adopted the Fang suit in her intro to the larger X-Men team in Uncanny X-Men 450. Right. So, um, number four, the brown and yellow, which we that suit first appears in X, Uncanny X-Men 139. And that was the issue that brought Kitty Pride into the X-Men ranks. Yeah. Um, number five, wet work wear. I think this one is my favorite, to be honest with you. And I know it's not really, there's nothing not really flashy about it. No, but yeah, I think this is probably like, you know, when things are, things are about to get down and dirty when he's in this one. So, yeah. And this is from Wolverine number one. Yeah. Uh, the blue and gold. This is when all the X-Men wore their redesigned outfits that were redesigned by Jim Lee. Uh, yeah. Harkening back to the X-Men's first costumes, um, these debuted in Uncanny X-Men 274. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Gone Feral. This is when his outfit almost looks like something from uh, from Max. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, in Wolverine number 100, we see the Feral Wolverine which gave Logan sharpened fangs. His hair was an unruly mess, and his nose became a flattened stub. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Ultimate Wolverine. That was an interesting take, but... It was, it was okay. Not not my favorite. It was okay. Yeah. So, uh, Ultimate X-Men number one from 2000. That's where you find that one. Again, on Marvel Unlimited. Ast- astonishing... Wolverine. See, I didn't mind this costume because it harkened a little bit to the original, bringing the uh, the head horns yes. down yeah. a lot, giving mm-hmm. an almost more realistic look. Um, you can see this in Astonishing X Men number one from two thousand four, and this is almost the look that we see in um, at the end of um. The Wolverine, when he's mm-hmm. on the plane and he opens up the briefcase, it's this yeah. mask that we see. Yeah. Uh, and number 10, X-Force, his X-Force outfit, which was black and gray, a black and gray camouflage uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see him in this in X-Force number one from 2008. Right. So that's the top ten costumes. Good choices. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, I, I'm, although I agree with Eric, I, don't, I couldn't believe the, uh, that, that, that one uh, with all the bones and everything. I, I didn't. The, the Fang costume? The Fang one, yeah. I did not. Uh, the, the, the times I saw that one, I was just like, why? You know? But, you know. You know, it, but, you know, people like it, so, you know, fine. By the same token, I, I like the wet work one, so. <clears throat> With X-Force, I'm in a close second, so, you See, know. I, I like the astonishing one. 
because I like the more streamlined. It's it's yep. a, it's like sits in between the original mask and the classic mask. Right. The uh, the the astonishing one is good. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it's it's not my favorite, but that's it's mainly just because of the fact that the the classic yellow is the classic yellow. Right. Now I'm trying. What did he wear in the in the, the X Men animated series? That was the. I want to say he was wearing the classic yellow. It was the classic, yeah. I think it was classic yellow. Okay. All right. Yeah, so. Well, it is that time for... Maybe. Here are the picks of the week. So, Eric, why don't you start us off? Okay. My Marvel Unlimited pick of the week is... Something I have to pull up on my phone because, oh, there it is. It is Big Thunder Mountain Railroad number one from 2015. Millions of fans have climbed aboard the wildest ride in the wilderness, and now Marvel hurdles you through the mists of time to reveal the never-before-told saga of how the dangerous gold mine of Big Thunder Mountain became the haunted legend it is today. Malevolent mine owner Barnabas T. Bullion is determined to shelter his teen daughter Abigail from the dangers of the Wild West. But this brave young heroine has other ideas, which include robbing her own father's mine as a masked bandit. Earthquakes, floods, dynamite chewing goats. Can the denizens of Rainbow Ridge survive the clash between mankind's greed and nature's fury? And what is the protective power that dwells deep within the mysterious mountain? Surprises await you in the latest Disney Kingdom saga by the acclaimed duo duo of Dennis Hopeless and Ty Walker. Hang on to them hats and glasses, because this here's the wildest ride in the wilderness. (laughs) So, Kylan, you're up next. So, my my pick is Spider-Man number one from 2019. Uh, the most shocking and incredible comic of 2019 is here as J.J. Abrams of Star Wars, Star Trek, and Super 8 and his son, Henry Abrams, are joined by superstar artist Sarah Pacelli of Miles Morales and Guardians of the Galaxy team up for Spider-Man. What do they have planned for Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson? Who is cadaverous? The modern master of mystery makes his marvel this September. Okay. So, although it's past September, but it's now in Marvel Unlimited, so give it. That's my pick. There you have it. Well, for me, uh, my first or my Marvel Unlimited, my first pick. Yeah, my only pick for this week. <laughs> um, this this is a soft spot for me, and God, I want to get back. I, I just want to get back to where it's located, too. Um, I went with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Volume 1, or Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Number 1. Uh, this is where we start to get some of the backstory to Galaxy's Edge. That's official canon. Um, a call to adventure on the very edge of the galaxy. The comic tie-in to the theme park. Black Spire Outpost has long been frequented by smugglers, merchants, and travelers from every corner of the galaxy looking to make their score on the infamous black market or experience the exotic thrills only the remote world of Batu has to offer. Beings like the infamous Doc Ondar, proprietor of rare and one-of-kind antiquities, 
thrive on unique opportunities which abound the lawless outpost at the very edge of wild space. But the evil First Order has come to Batu, and the survival of the entire outpost is at stake. The road to Black Spire's possible salvation might begin in the past with the job Han Solo and his partner Chewbacca pulled for Doc Ondar. The newest chapter of the growing Star Wars saga begins, or began... At this point in the game, uh, back in April, with Ethan Sachs and Will Slaney's um, Galaxy's Edge, the riveting comic adventure tie-in to the theme park. Um, if you haven't read the five issues, they're great. This issue, um, since it's on Marvel Unlimited, read about how Chewie and Han go and get a baby Sarlacc for Doc Ondar. Mm. And you can see that baby Sarlacc at Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. I was so excited for that. I'm like, if I walk in and there's no baby on uh, baby Sarlacc, I'm going to be ticked. They did not let let down. So, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I do have an honorable mention to the Wolverine's top 10 outfits. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, His outfits in X-Men Evolution. Yes. Well, I think they were, I think they were sticking with um, what's in the comics. So you could go see it. I understand that, but I'm throwing that in because that's my list. That's my addition to that list. That works. And I just got two words for anybody who doesn't think those belong. Moon Knight. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Kylan? Any final thoughts? Uh, Moon Knight. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) Thursday, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. And if you don't like that, I got just two words for you. authorized by Director Fury to use any means necessary to keep you on premises. If you attempt to leave or play any games, I will tase you and watch Super Nanny while you drool into the carpet. 